Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We're a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from California, but now I'm living in beautiful Wuhan, China. Today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. This is Alex. Sure, I am from the Northeast part of China, proudly representing Dongbei, but I'm speaking to you from Beijing, China today. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Today we're going to be talking about fast fashion. So fast fashion is this idea that people like wear a shirt, I guess, a few times and then they don't ever wear it again. So it's like, oh, okay, this is trending this month or this season, so I'm going to wear it this month or this season, and then that's it. Oh, I'm going to take the responsible route. I'm going to donate it. And so then, like, there are so many things that are donated, especially in the United States, that uh, yeah, they just go... Actually, I, I think it's 15 million garments a month. I mean, I'm checking. I was every week end up in Ghana, and so they only have a population of 30 million. So I'm, I'm imagining that they're really well-dressed, firstly. <laughs> but secondly, I saw some pictures of, like, the dumps where they're leaving them in Ghana, and they're just acres i mean thousands of acres of just like american clothes piled up there which is which is tragic so uh, my point about the olympics and bing duan duan is that's great you want a bing duan duan good buy it responsibly and plan on keeping it and loving it for 20 years but if you're about to say your idea is to buy it and then like oh well i'm done looking at it it was cute for this month Mm. and you know it's going to go into a drawer well guess what that's going to go into a landfill someday too so it's okay to get cool stuff but you know i think it's we need to be getting stuff responsibly let me give you an example of some junk that we got that's made out of some terrible material Mm -hmm. uh there's a I think it's Miniso makes this uh, fake flowers that you can build like it's a it's like Lego or Lego Lego, but it's not it's it's like their own brand maybe I'm not sure. Anyways, you put it together and it's a rose and we have different flowers. My wife gets really angry because I go to the store Uh and I buy her a bouquet sometimes and she's Mm -hmm. like, "This is gonna die," and she always gets mad. But then if I don't buy her flowers for five or six months, she'll say, "Why don't you buy me flowers?" So then, like, I'm, like, trapped in this situation. I can never do the right thing, right? So I got all these flowers for her that are fake from Minnesota. And now she built them. It's I didn't take the joy of building it away from her. Mm-hmm. I actually did that once with a different Lego toy that I give her. Anyways, Aww. she built them, and we put them in, like, a vase. So now we have flowers that will never despoil. And so, like, I feel like mm. maybe I've won this time. I'm not sure. Maybe. And so we have a permanent set of flowers we can keep for our entire entire lives and then you know hopefully we'll just keep them you know and we'll be old people and they'll still be this lego or minnesota like a bouquet of flowers (laughs) there that's my dream so i'm trying to do i don't know maybe i've just ruined like because i guess plastic lasts for thousands of years Mm. and we're not going to last for thousands anyways it's the least worst i could do i think it is a direction to go with it's (laughs) the same thing you know it's it is the same thing at the winter olympics all of the the flowers that the athletes received Mm. were made from they were you know made from uh, uh, uh wools and mm. you know mm. it's not real flowers and it's made but by- wool, wool wool does decompose someday right yeah yeah it 
sits for part of an animal, you know, right? So, yeah. it, and then it's, I mean, it looks great. And then it's all made by uh, the volunteers that worked for the Olympics. And it's a group of people that would really, really need a, this sort of job. So it's kind of a really great combination of what people want to look at. Like, honestly, when we look at mm. flowers, we mm. want the colorful, you know, the abundant colors and the whole, the big thing. Yeah. So that's kind of a direction to go with whether this material is the best to use i mean we could continue to explore but i agree it's so much better than just you know buying flowers and and, and leaving it deserting it after a, a day and this is it's, it'll sound like a joke but it's not a joke here's the thing only buy flowers for people that you love <laughs> don't buy flowers for people that you don't know how they're going to respond to it. You know how these people, like, this is just like people are like, people would be like, oh, I want to make sure, I want to show her how much I love her. Like, mm. I want to show her that I want her to be my girlfriend so badly. So I'm going to buy her <laughs> 999 roses <laughs> and she's going to toss it to the trash can. Every time I see flowers in the trash, I'm just like, why would you buy flowers? What story is there? Yeah, that's that tells a story. You need to write a short story right I'm then. Just like, don't buy the flowers if you don't know how she's going to respond to it. Buy it, like, buy it for me. Like, I would love it, you know? <laughs> and we have, we have co-workers in the office who also make uh, dried flowers from whatever flowers that mm, the lucky girl mm. receives from her boyfriend mm. all the time. And she just uses this little table in the office as a dry flower making station. And it's beautiful. Can't you just, I think you can just hang them upside down. Exactly. That's where... I learned because when I saw that in the office the other day, I was like, this looks really horrifying. It's some kind of like <laughs> voodoo stuff, like flowers head down. <laughs> and then my <laughs> my coworker said, Alex, that's how you make dry flowers. I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> now it's beautiful. <laughs> I want, you know, really quickly, I'm not trying to pick on the, the Olympics. The Olympics are great. And actually, you know, Americans watched 2.3 billion hours of Love the Olympics or something like that. It was something crazy. There are 323 million people in America. That means an average of something like 10 or 11 hours per every single American person of watching the Beijing Winter Olympics. So they're really popular. And I, I watched a lot of it. It was really beautiful. Yeah. But let me just uh, read a little bit of this article I found. It's uh, CBS News. Uh -huh. It's called Fast Fashion in the U.S. is Fueling an Environmental Disaster in Ghana. And so it talks about how the United States, a lot of Americans, you know, they just buy these pieces, articles of clothing for shorter periods of time. According to the article, they're worn for an average of seven times mm -hmm. and then they're discarded. And they, a lot of people assume that they'll just go to like, you know, some hipster place where hipsters are going to wear them for the next few years until they get awful holes or something. But in fact, that's not what happens. There are so many of these articles being donated or thrown away that there's no way there are not enough hipsters to keep wearing them. <laughs> so like the hipsters are just not consuming. I think the problem is hipsters. We need more of them. <laughs> anyway. Uh, attention Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. So like anyways, they're, they're being shipped off to Ghana. 15 million arrive a week and they're just like hundreds of millions in shirts and piles all over the country. And, you know, this gentleman, Obrani Wan, called them 
dead white men's clothes. Oh, <laughs> my God. Where they sell them at 5,000 stalls, but there's not enough people consuming them. So what what is it? It just creates waste in Ghana. Mm. And this is a huge problem. And I was look. I found a lot of really interesting statistics about this because it's not just the United States. A lot of culprits, including uh, I have got this from The Economist. I have this map. Mm. Their source is World Bank. On this map, and this is confusing to me, the United States is the number one cause of fast fashion waste. Mm. But then Canada looks and Australia are there. And then surprisingly, Mongolia, the country of Mongolia. So that really I was like, oh, really? What? <laughs> right? How is Mongolia? I don't understand. And New Zealand is up there too. That These are the biggest wasters of like articles of clothing around the world. Where we're living in China, actually way less. They are in this like little area that's like like a third of as, as bad or a quarter as bad as America and Canada. So, you know, we don't have to feel quite as guilty. But, um, you know, there's tons of waste in terms of fast fashion. And, you know, I, I, I've i also read some articles recently, I don't have them on hand, that mm-hmm. people are trying to do stuff about this. There's a whole new movement of young people trying to eliminate uh, this problem because it's the new kind of, it's a new form of pollution. Yeah. I guess we have so many kinds of pollution. It's hard to keep up with all the different kinds of ways we're destroying the planet. But this is one of them that we need to keep in mind. And, I, you know, you're a lot younger than me. I was wondering what you <laughs> maybe have heard on the street from all the other young people, Alex. Well, definitely, I actually kind of know a thing or two about this whole, uh, you know, uh, environmentally friendly fashion trend that's being pretty hot right now because um when i was working with a foundation a couple years ago we were working with this organization called b corp Mm. and what they do is they certify companies around the world as a b corp certified company for being completely sustainable with their Mm. entire Mm. pipeline so Mm. i know that in recent years a lot of companies started to take on more corporate social responsibilities or csrs people know um, but so the difference is that CSR is just like, you know, you have a quota each year that you meet. Mm-hmm. For example, um, I think in uh, I think 2019 or 20, Vogue magazine did a campaign where they just did a cartoon cover for their feature. Because you know how all of these fashion magazines all do like really grand, mm-hmm. fantastical mm-hmm. photo shoots with, with fashion yeah, yeah, yeah. icons. And they actually came up with, a, you know, a, a statistics saying like how much energy, time, and actual carbon footprint that each of these shoots mm, would produce. Just the shoots. So they were trying to just the shoots. Wow. And it's <laughs> yeah, it's pretty astonishing when you look at the the number because it's not just the shoot itself. It's the you know, at one of the numbers is that for one shoot, they would need to send and receive about 60 international wow. shipments. So just think about just that. And then that's not I'm going to interrupt you. I'm sorry. I want you to continue with the story. Yeah. But as a layman who knows nothing about fashion, (laughs) if you saw me on the street, you'd think, wow, this guy knows nothing about fashion. But like, (laughs) you know, I always just thought they had like a, a trunk with like. Uh, I don't know, five or 10 articles of clothing and a couple of photographers who were like, look at me, look at me, look at me. And that's all that was really, <laughs> but you're telling me there's this whole other universe of like stuff going on. It's, I'm a little surprised that it's it so is. involved. 
I have been, if, if anyone has worked in the fashion industry, you would know, like we did this thing for a skincare brand. I'm not going to name names again. Mm. It was just, uh, for one photo. And then, uh, I think a 30 second video production, of course it cost us a couple of days and people were flying in. There were you know, people from the brand that were flying in, there were people from the PR agency flying in. And then of course the talents team, and that's like six or seven people just for that one thing, just for that one, one shot that's going to work. And of course the people that they hired, which was us to produce this whole thing mm. and the director that we brought. And then apparently like if, if to put things into perspective and um, for 2020, that Vogue came that I, I'm talking about the whole, mm-hmm. the whole production involved 150 people and they need to fly for over 20 times or 20 plus flights for just this one cover shoot and then at least 40 cars on standby for the shoot yeah and so it's like you know we have to do this every month and there are a certain number of uh fashion magazines around the world like if you multiply that it's still yeah it's a huge environmental cost so they did this change um that but that's it's just one time you know just one month of the cover they did this which is a great initiative but it it, that's part of their corporate social responsibility um like l'oreal did something as well where they were like we're not gonna get kids to wear plastics and stuff but these things Mm. are not you know it's just a one-time thing but b corp is where they ask um the company they put the company under really like uh, they put in Mm. under scrutiny to make sure that from every part of their production they're being invited environmentally friendly and sustainability wise aware has this had a positive impact on the industry well i i can't say that it has brought a complete overhaul of how the industry works but there are companies like patagonia um you know like where it's which is like an outdoor super big outdoor sports brand for outdoor wares and stuff that have joined this trend. I do believe that if more companies join uh, B Corp and other companies could see that, okay, we can be environmentally friendly and still profitable. Cause a lot of people are like, you know, if we become environmentally friendly, we can make profits because the ultimate drive for us to do for all of this fast fashion industry brands to, to thrive is because mm. they want to lower the production cost and they want to shorten the production cycle. Um, but if they could see like brands like patagonia are making money out there at the same time being really Mm. friendly to the to the planet then there will be you know i think there will be more b corp and it'll bring a big change it also seems like you know consumer awareness is one of the big things that drive change so if people deliberately try to make their purchases from environmentally friendly enterprises then those enterprises will then be motivated to ensure that their assembly lines and you know i guess you call it the pipeline is more is cleaner and more efficient because that will in turn give them more customers but what i also find is that you know a really good media spin whether or not they actually do the particularly good job can just like make people think that a company who may not be environmentally friendly is and then they just keep buying their their stuff that's a really good point because actually i think 
I mean, I didn't do profound study on how fast industry came about, but mm. a lot of it is because of media. Like a lot of it is being promoted and and super branded in media. Like mm. I don't know if well, you probably don't spend a lot of time on Taobao, but I do spend a lot of time. I do. Money on Taobao. I'm a teacher, so I'm always <laughs> looking for new things for my kids, like to like, different kinds of toys or things. Uh, to keep them learning. I just bought us a, a couple of magnetic sets for our science section Aww. so they can play with magnets, stuff like that. Well, at least you use Taobao for, you know, your, your work and the care of the kids. I use it for just, I don't know why I'm spending so much time and money on it. <laughs> but when you do go on Taobao, you do see basically every e-commerce shopping platform that you go on today, you will see titles like something, something Tongkwan, like same style as seen worn by uh, like certain celebrity. Mm -hmm. And those items sell mm. a lot and fast. Wow. For example, if a TV show is being really popular right now, you'll go on Taobao, you'll see like as seen, like as worn by this character in this TV show. And then it, it, it's being produced by different factories, different brands. Mm. And they're like, oh, this is what, like you are this, you look like this person. But the TV show ends in 10 days. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So I have a couple stories. Number one, I saw an interview recently with 50 Cent. Yeah. And it was really funny because he was talking about how Snoop Dogg stole his car one time. <laughs> But I don't, I'm not going to tell that story again. If you're interested, you can go look it up. But how he began the story was that he has like a few sets of outfits that are really high fashion mm -hmm. that he that he has that match his cars. So he has a fleet of Lamborghinis. <laughs> and sorry, <that's> just... <laughs> each Lamborghini is like like it's like mixed up and how it's colored, the patterns and design yep. <laughs> match an outfit that he has. So there are two uh -huh. things I want to say about this. One is that obviously it's wasteful. You no know, anyone can see that. I'm not not trying yeah. to, I'm not trying to diss on, on 50 Cent, uh, but I actually think it's also in a really kind of twisted way. If you think about it from a certain angle, it's really yeah. um, not wasteful because if you have a Lamborghini that matches an outfit, you're not just going to not wear that outfit again. Exactly. You, ha you have to like wear that outfit a few times at least because, hey, your whole entire you have a whole Lamborghini devoted to that piece of attire or that set of attire so you're going to be wearing you know sometimes okay you can wear it here and you can wear it there it's not been in like you know on the cover of a magazine yet yeah i could probably still wear it to this club yeah. so in, in a kind of twisted way it's actually kind of <laughs> keeping him in the same clothes sometimes i'm guessing exactly because if you think about it i'm pretty sure the number of lamborghinis in his fleet is 10 times smaller than everybody's <laughs> wardrobe size like i i don't think i have i don't know i have i think i have like 200 clothing items i don't think 50 cents has 200 lamborghinis to match with his 20 outfits so or, 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 or 200 outfits which i actually don't know how many lamborghinis he has i i'm, I'm assuming it's a two-digit number not a three <laughs> i don't i actually don't know too i'm assuming it's a two-digit number i think so too but you know he obviously has enough money to where he can just buy lamborghinis to matches clothes he's not just one of those people with yeah. only five lamborghinis anyways <laughs> one of the poor people with only two lamborghinis oh my gosh anyways <laughs> <laughs> But 
I want to tell another story. You know, it was a, my school whose name I'm not going to say. They plan to buy these green jumpers, these like, uh, <laughs> you know, track suits that have like white stripes on them and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they planned this like a full year ago. And it, it took all this time for them to get us this uniform that was going to last a year or two. And it came out at the exact same time, time as a very famous Korean TV show mm-hmm. that you may know of Ooh. where a lot of people wear green track suits oh, with white stripes God. on them. And it looked almost exactly the same. So I was like, oh, this is too perfect. So I went on Taobao uh-huh. and I, I got a T-shirt made that says like, uh, I think my number is 258. Uh-huh. So it looks just like the T-shirts that they wear in this, the TV show. So that they were, <laughs> they were all opining. Oh no, this is very bad fortune that we've happened to just make these green track shoots for our entire school yeah. <laughs> at the exact same time that a TV show came out about like killing off a bunch of people who wear green track suits. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, I showed up up my first day and she was like talking to me about it i unzipped part of my shirt and i like hey hey <laughs> and she's like no what my, my boss was like no why did you do that and i was like i'll keep it zipped up during school time but it, i couldn't pass it up so that was a bit of fast fashion for me but generally you know what i do is like i'm an older person who doesn't you know care about looking cool that much just cool <laughs> cool enough i'm cool myself so <laughs> i go i go buy spring clothes and i'm like okay these are spring clothes mm-hmm. right so i can wear them for the next three or four or five springs yeah. because that that will be something I can have. And then when they're starting to get tatty, whatever, you know, it's time to retire them. So I wear like the same clothes hoodie or the same like, uh, I don't know, whatever polo like hundreds of times. So I really don't actually understand fast fashion. <laughs> and for those of us friends listening, could you explain a little clearly for the, the I guess, middle aged folks like myself who don't really understand what this is? I'm just laughing so hard because this is the. This is a conversation I have every day with my boyfriend. He's like, <laughs> look at your closet. He has, because he has, so he he is very much about, you know, having color coordination and stuff. Mm-hmm. But he has a limited number of clothing items. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of clothes. <laughs> so guilty as charged. Then I'll explain this a little bit. Because for for us, like as how we're the cool kids brought up or whatever. <laughs> well, just sure no we're not the cool kids we're just those mm. the spoiled ones like you want to it's like there's a reason why this whole trend is called the fast fashion of course it's mm. you know it speaks to how fast it's produced and how fast it goes in and out of trend mm. but it's also i think it re, it's it's a reflection of what today's day and age is like for people mm. like for us when we grow up we're like oh my god things are developing so fast like when i was born there's like the internet just started now we're like vr ar all kind of stuff so the overall impression of life for us is constantly changing and that kind of gets reflected on our fashion choices and we want to be able to wear Mm -hmm. different kind of clothing you know different kind of fashion different kind of styles on a different mood like today i just want to be all black because i want to feel cool tomorrow i'm like i am a happy person i want to wear bright colors but instead of like kind of matching using what we already have we're like hey here's something that's already ready for us like in the shop and it's it only costs you 60 why it only costs you 10 bucks why not get it but i think this is kind of an idea that because i was i think i had way more clothes when i was in the states (laughs) than than i do now which is a strong Mm -hmm. argument i tried to tell my boyfriend i'm like don't pick on me because i this is half (laughs) of what i had when i was like 25 so you're having the better side Mm -hmm. right now so Mm -hmm. just be happy with it (laughs) when i 
was in the States, I had a lot more because I was constantly going to uh, places like Urban mm-hmm. Outfitters, mm-hmm. you know, uh, well, of course, Zara, H&M, mm-hmm. like all the places. And they, they do like constantly sale. I think it's because we're entering society earlier mm-hmm. as well. And when we didn't have a lot of money. We got used to purchasing and shopping at these Mm. places because they are a little bit more Mm. affordable than other places. But I do think as we grow older, at my age right now, I'm 33 Mm. this year, I do want my wardrobe to be more quality Mm -hmm, than mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. variety. And then, you know, if I want variety, I could try to play the matching game, you know, Mm. with all of my clothing items. But I do think the reason why we're so into this is because we had (laughs) options to buy clothes Mm. ourselves where at a younger age. And then there are these a lot of articles you find people find on the internet. This is for men, I guess. I don't know if this is this probably does not apply to women as much. For like men and GQ, that kind of stuff, it'll say something like 10 items to add to your wardrobe to complete your wardrobe or to make you look like, you know, a more professional, et cetera. Yeah. So like for men, oftentimes you just need like two really good blazers, two really good pairs of shoes, yeah. a, vi- a couple of very nice pairs of slacks, like, you know, maybe three or four really good ties. And then you, you can add that to almost any man's wardrobe. Mm-hmm. And then that man can look good for like the whole year. This is the way it used to be. I guess things are changing now. Like people don't wear, like they're not dressing up professionally in the office as much as they used to, especially now that there's the pandemic. Yeah. This whole idea idea of like looking comfortable <laughs> there's a Seinfeld episode with George Costanza where he's like I'm just gonna be comfortable and so he starts wearing like sweatpants and stuff everywhere he goes yeah and like I feel like maybe the trend now is not to look like office 1990s or something which is what I, I try to look like <laughs> I, my, my goal is to look really good at 1999 <laughs> <laughs> like a nice suit with like maybe a vest even you know but like that's gone you know like it's it's not something that's done as much now i guess even ties are gone now like even sometimes the president comes out with no tie like in certain situations and stuff like if the if the president's doing like a a kindergarten special or something or we're oh yeah yeah you want to look he's doing a town hall he'll take his tie off you know kind of thing like increasingly you see a lot of movies and tv shows where like men are wearing button-up shirts and Mm. jacket but they're not wearing the tie so it seems like informality is the trend i mean this is just we're talking about really nice office looks if i go into like my workplace yeah like people are wearing like jeans and maybe a sweater the nice sweater yeah but jeans and a sweater then you know uh that's not what you would see 20 years ago you would see like maybe a, a suit a bad suit right you know you'd see like goofy looking teachers with like suits <laughs> that look like they got them off the rack 10 years ago yeah but they'd be trying to wear a suit yeah you know? i i almost in a way i know that you know uh, wearing your own clothes is something that newer companies like internet companies nowadays really promote because they want mm. They mm. want their employees to be able to work uh, to work in comfortable clothing from of themselves, uh, you know that of their choices, but in in another way, like now we're going to work every day. So for me, I was like. I don't want my colleagues to see me in the same clothes all the time. You know, like I need it. I I don't want them to feel like I don't wash my clothes and it's just dirty and it's going to smell. So I want to look presentable every day and every day I have to, you know, bring myself in for a different look. So that's like, and then like, that's kind of a, a temptation that drives your, 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 your urge to look at different options on the, on, on you know, the, I feel like this, maybe you, 
America rubbed off on you a lot, a little, <laughs> because here's here, <laughs> much. my feeling is based on my personal experience and the few hundred people I've met, you know, over my 10 years here that I worked with in different places is that like, I remember a lot of ladies even. Yeah. Who, Cause I worked with mostly ladies this entire time. They're a very, uh, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the education industry is saturated with, with ladies in China. Yeah. A lot of ladies, they only have four or five outfits. And I know that, well, at least work outfits because I know because I'd be like, I watch, Oh, those are the pants she wore yesterday. Okay. Those are the pants she wore on Tuesday. Yeah. And so like, it, there was a lot of that. And I'm not talking about people who are not well to do. I, I can think of one lady in my head who owns five houses, just works for fun, but her clothes <laughs> would be like constantly recycled. She would just be like wearing like the same two outfits the entire <laughs> week and some kind of rematch of the same pants and top. Wow. Like, different combinations kind of thing. And, like I feel, you know, like on the on those statistics, I have another chart. It's the very similar to the first uh, chart that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is based on uh, Statistica.com statistics, and it has a map of worldwide countries per capita for waste. And again, China is really low on the list of like people for fast fashion. They don't. This is not a huge trend here. At least it's not quite yet. Yeah. Maybe it's changing, and this problem is bleeding over into into countries like China. <laughs> but it's it historically has not been a place where people. People just like, oh, I'm going to buy a T-shirt and wear it for two weeks. Yeah. Like people generally buy clothes and then they wear those clothes. You know, those are the clothes they wear. And even if they have the ability to buy, like according to this article, ethicalconsumer.org, ultra cheap garments and an ever-changing new ranges, they have the ability to buy like something they could wear for a week or two. They still just buy like Mm -hmm. pants that they're going to wear for the year or two. And so like, I think, is this something you picked up in the States? I... Mm, I guess it's well, I think it's coinciding because it, it happened, you know, we were not buying a lot of clothes when we were in college because we're still being paid by our by our parents for all of our life expenses. So I have to be a little <laughs> bit more responsible when I went to the States again, like I had the choices and started having the options to buy clothes myself. But I also there's another it's kind of funny well i guess that didn't rub off on me just mm. observe that i don't i didn't think i approve of, of what it was so this one fellow chinese student that was in the same program with us mm-hmm. she would show up to school in one outfit and it was like nicely put together expensive mm-hmm. really you know fashionable in the morning and lunch break she would go back to her place and then in the afternoon when she comes back she's in a different outfit and if we're going out that night to you know dinner party or whatever she would come up in a different outfit so I was just like how I was like how big is your wardrobe I can't even imagine and I would barely see her mm. in the same item clothing item at all yeah, yeah. like I was just like what what happens with all of your stuff <laughs> and I didn't I didn't uh, you know I didn't approve of it I was like that's too much effort <laughs> like that's too much effort <laughs> too much money um but I guess when I was in the states it's just there's just so many different styles where I was looking at you know it's something that's kind of a new input of what I could wear and then you're just like oh maybe I could try that like maybe mm-hmm. I could try to wear a beanie and have like baggy pants and whatever I think 
because it was different fashion inputs mm. and that you just wanted to try different things and then of course you buy and then like after that trend kind of wears off that cool that item just stays in your wardrobe without mm. ever being mm. used again for like yeah years. i want to bring the conversation into a dark place a little bit Uh-oh. because i think it's important for us to look at the why we're talking about this why is it an issue so according to the same article i quoted above mm. every year this sector requires 93 billion cubic meters of water and that's enough to meet the consumption needs of 5 million people and cotton uses 6% of the world's pesticides and 16% of insecticides Mm. and is responsible for 10% of global carbon emissions and may increase to 50% of all global carbon emissions by 2030. That's crazy to me Yeah, because there are different industries right now, food and like, um, factories and like um, people's personal consumption for like vehicles and their homes all kind of combined to create the horrible mess of pollution that is causing global warming. Mm. But by 2030, if we continue on the same trajectory, fast fashion or I guess fashion altogether will be 50% half of all carbon emissions. That's, that's insane. Yeah. And that I think is what the picture is. And that's why it's important for us. You know, I want to actually tell a story now that I've gone dark. I want to go a little silly. <laughs> I actually am not a very, I, I'm a better consumer now, but when I was living in America, I didn't understand what fashion fast fashion was. And I think it was already going on uh-huh. and I didn't have a big budget. Cause I was in university for like 10 years. Yeah. So like I would go to these, like, I'm not going to say the name of a really, big brand places and like buy clothes thinking oh great this is gonna really help out and then like I didn't understand why a month later that article of clothing I had bought wasn't like very good anymore yeah because I couldn't identify quality well at that point in my life and I was like <laughs> I but I bought this and now I can almost not wear it because it's such a piece of garbage now it was very frustrating and this cycle continued for a few years yeah. because like I would have I would sometimes I'd get lucky and accidentally buy something that could last mm-hmm. and a lot of the time I would just be like this piece of crap (laughs) why (laughs) and so like over time i realized oh you need to actually like invest in like some spend more to get something that will last longer i even read an article about this later like the difference between a poor person and a rich person (laughs) is a rich person can go this is this was from like 1800s a rich person Mm -hmm. go can go spend five dollars on a pair of shoes that will last them five years but a poor person has to go and spend 50 cents on a pair of shoes that'll last three months and over a five-year period end up spending $20. So like poor people end up actually spending more because they or they don't know how or they can't invest in the kind of quality that wealthier people can. I think the thing, same thing is true now. The suits that I have made custom to me, mm-hmm. I can wear the, I, I'm still wearing some of them from, that I bought four or five years ago mm-hmm. to like special events. But if you go to like some of these brands that I'm not going to mention where you go and spend like, I don't know, 20 quai for a, a piece of clothing. Those gonna that's tear. not even if you yeah even if you wanted to, it to last and you're trying to be responsible it's not going to last because it's not made to last that's uh, my again my i i hate to because i was fighting my mom on this all the time but she's kind of another extreme like she wants expensive clothing for me she's like mm. you should buy this t-shirt because it costs 900 quite as good quality i'm like wow no t-shirt <laughs> should cost 900 quite <laughs> that and, is expensive and i'm like i'm not going to i'm not going to spend that much money on that one t-shirt because i don't have the i don't have 50 cent money to buy like even just five different t-shirts <laughs> that I could just change. But mm. she is right about, you know, every time when I um, wear something that's from one of these 
you know, fast fashion brands and she sees it and she, her eyes are kind of like the, the, the QA machine. Like she just looks at it and she's like, <laughs> I know that this is not made out of, you know, good quality fabrics. Mm-hmm. And she gets really mad at it. She's like, well, you need to buy things that are good for like these clothing. It might not even be good mm. for your skin. It might irritate your skin and it's not going to last. Blah, blah. And I was like, I don't care. I want to change my clothes every day and every month. I don't want to have a repeated outfit. But she is actually like the more, you know, I'm I'm um, kind of shopping. And the more I started to put away clothes, the more I realized like you do want things that actually last because I've mm-hmm. had this big bag of clothes that I don't want to wear anymore. And the quality is not really good or I'm no longer interested in that kind of style of clothing. It's been in my house for for two months. Like, I just don't Mm. know who to give it to. I know that theoretically I could donate it, but part of the clothing are not really for donation. Like, I know that they're not going to wear that neon yellow, (laughs) you know, jumpsuit that like kids are not going to wear that. If someone just lost their home in a flood, you might be surprised what they would wear. (laughs) That's true. But like, you really want it. You really that really makes you wonder, like uh, every time like people now we may have a little bit a little bit of more awareness of you know the 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 clothing like we're not just gonna Mm. throw it all away we're gonna try to find a place to send it but you really do have to think where do all the clothing items go yeah i guess that a lot of them for americans they end up like on the ground in ghana (laughs) oh my god You know, I want to talk about my mm. grandmother who has, uh, you know, she lived until she was 97. She's passed away a couple years ago. Mm. She's a lovely lady. Uh, when I gr- was growing up, she had this one special room that was full of children's books. And then behind like a library and then behind on the other side of one of the shelves, there was a little sewing machine and a few boxes of like cut up little squares of Mm. clothing and they were like my aunt's clothing or like my grandmother's old clothing or my grandfather's old clothing and they were just in boxes that my grandmother had cut into these perfectly like identical little (laughs) squares she always was sewing and she made quilts all the time and she would when she finished a quilt which would take her I don't know a month or two Mm -hmm. she would then give it to a different family member she had a lot of grandchildren and and relatives and stuff and so I everybody in my family ended up getting at least one of grandma's Smith's quilts and they're like layers of clothing. The thing about it was there was only one piece of clothing that she would buy or a piece of fabric she would buy. And that's the like the soft side that would be down. Yeah. The side that faces down when you use the blanket. And the rest were layers and layers of used clothing that she would sew together. Like so she would just take two squares and sew them together to make a rectangle and then put those in a box until she had like hundreds of these two squares. And then she would take those and then sew them together and to make a, a square out of those two rectangles so it'd be four of the originals and, and on and on and on until she would make an entire sheet of these squares that were made out of all this used clothing and then she would sew that to another layer and that to another layer and like seam them together until she had made this blanket that really warm sturdy strong blanket of all of the used clothes from the family and that would just go back out to the family and all the family would have blankets made out of their old clothes. And so it's too bad that she's gone because she was probably the best thing for the environment in our family. I know. And that's <laughs> such a lovely, sweet idea. Mm. Like it's, it's something that carries the love of your family member and it recycles clothing and it keeps you warm. 
And it's something that's hand done by someone that you love. Yeah, if we had just not used them and just kept them like in like plastic bags and they'd probably be worth a fortune right now, you know, mm. because that kind of like one person making it over long periods of time and investing all that labor and like the kinds of things that it's made out of. Those are actually really expensive now, that kind of stuff. So like, you know, yeah, it's, it's it's for those of you listening at home, this is what you can do with your fast fashion. If you have that uh, <laughs> that skill, which I never developed, I tried to do it and my grandma was like, no, no. No, no, it's like this. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no like Jason, this. you're not made for this. Yeah, eventually I was like, this is too hard. <laughs> but, you know, Aww. some people have that ability and skill and that would be a nice thing to reuse yeah. a lot of this stuff in a way that would be productive instead of just like looking at no offense to Ikea. I love you, Ikea. <laughs> but instead of just buying blankets from Ikea, which they have lovely blankets, by the way, like if we could just make. Uh, like our own blankets. You're trying so hard. <laughs> <laughs> trying not to upset the people, the lovely people at I mean, IKEA. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this it's it's kind of a um, an inspiration. I'm pretty sure there are businesses out there that do this kind of family mm. blankets, family quilts for people. Like if for people like Jason who don't know how to sew, if they wanted to do that for their family, you could send all of the use your used clothings to. Um, these businesses and I, I i know that things like this are very trivial very minimum that you could what you could do and just having one family making uh, a family blanket out of used clothes is not going to change the environment but it, i do believe i know that theoretically if we do want to bring changes to the environment if we want to revert or even alleviate the environment pollution problem that we have right now it has to come from policies it has to come from the change in the whole economy and how mm-hmm, things work mm-hmm. but right. as an individual consumer there's still things that we could do that at least make ourselves feel like we're a little bit more responsible mm-hmm, or mm-hmm, citizen mm-hmm. than we are now and you could do what jason just said and also like i would try to young people out there i would really try to you know just urge everybody to not follow everything that you see on tv (laughs) and really oh my god it's a hard thing to fight jason like you look at all of these celebrities and all of these other cool kids and you're like (laughs) well that's not my particular addiction but i can understand you know i'm addicted to really delicious food so i can understand that someone might be addicted to uh like fast fashion uh to me it's like a little uh i don't know difficult to comprehend but you know i guess for other people they have find it difficult to comprehend how i can eat an entire pizza (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> What's the size? Whatever the biggest one I could find on the menu. <laughs> I mean, but, but that'd probably be my meal for the entire day. Still, it's too much. But anyways. Yeah, and that's, that's another mystery. Like, I feel like guys could just eat one meal for a day and be okay. And it's a giant meal and they don't want Yeah, typically I don't eat breakfast at all. I'll just wake up and like have coffee and go to work. And then at lunch, it's like, okay, I need to feed this machine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've watched a lot of you're right. Absolutely. I want to go back Mm -hmm. to what something you just said in the last articulation. And that was a. it's difficult for individual people to make a, a. a strong impact and sometimes it can feel like you're just an ant in the biggest colony well i guess we, we are we are the, maybe the biggest colony of something on the planet and so like it's very difficult for even if you do it really well for years you can get really frustrated at like whatever it is that you're trying to conserve water you're trying to serve electricity whatever it is that you, you feel strongly about or maybe one of those amazing magical people who saves everything i, I don't know any of them <laughs> but <laughs> like it's it, it can feel difficult and challenging and like what am i doing yeah you know the neighbors just 
has all their lights on. Like, you know, what's the point of me turning off all the lights all the time, really meticulously and being very careful about saving when like everyone around me is not helping the situation. So, yeah, I think, you know, in addition to grant the grandma Smith option, which I think is not realistic for most people, I think people can just raise awareness, you know, so like exactly it is the response. It should be the responsibility of the government and the companies to tackle the situation because they have the most power over what's going on. But like Mm -hmm. individuals, in addition to the fact that you could try to cut back on your addiction, (laughs) I think the big thing is just letting people know that it is a problem because I don't think, you know, until I was getting ready for this, I wasn't really clear about the magnitude of this. I was just like, oh, this is a new trend. People are fighting fast fashion, just like the new trend before that fast fashion. (laughs) But then I read all this information getting ready for this and I was like, oh my gosh, this is way bigger than I anticipated anticipated it was going to be like now I see why there are there is a movement of young people who are trying to do something about it because this is one of those problems that could become the next big problem that everyone is aware of yeah and in order for that to happen we need to help people become aware that it is a problem and I think that there are more business that's coming out of it because again we live in a day where we're super spoiled and used to all the convenience the fast fashion not just fast fashion fast consumerism has brought us like Mm, uh, everything mm, mm, yeah everything everything. we use in our life is as fast and convenient and it's kind of the whole commercial and advertising idea is around how fast and convenient it is and it never tell you about the consequences and what happens after you use it but i think because of well thanks to a lot of the documentaries a lot of the studies and people's digging around mm. that i i do think a lot of people are aware of the problem but most of the time people feel like well i am not the only person that's causing this problem mm. or i'm not even the person causing it i am just consuming what the person causing it is making so it feels like it's not part of your responsibility and for people to break out of their um uh, shopping trend mm, or their, mm, their shopping mm. habits or even their you know living habits because of how they've been living mm. with all of these products serving their life it, it's hard for people to just stop doing something like we have to for me i'm always like a solution type of person mm, like mm, you mm. need to give people an alternative if you don't want me to buy these kind of stuff what's my alternatives mm, and mm. luckily there are there are a lot of business you know young really young business yeah. um ideas that are already around this and i think for those business ideas we just need to give them a little support for example Mm -hmm. these shops that do containerless shopping yeah yeah like they will right like i i think that's a great idea and i love it like if there's a shop next to my place where i could go i will happily get a couple containers that i'll keep using and not buy new packaging all the time. Mm-hmm. And the only problem mm-hmm. is right now, some of these businesses are actually really, really costly. Mm-hmm. Like they are really mm-hmm. pricey. You know, whatever you get you from there, it, it might cost you twice or three times the money to, you know, compare with what you would do if you buy like already packaged, uh, you know, uh, products from the grocery store mm-hmm. or whatever. So I guess that's because they're so, so small and so feel if there are more shops like this i'm sure it's going to bring the cost down and somehow when you scale things up the cost goes down uh for production but i do think like if it's within our capability like go for those go for those you know go find a family quilt shop that's around you and then donate your clothing items there and not to 
to clothing recycle stations where you know that it's not going to most of the time it's not going to end up what's in in people that actually need it because we don't tend to donate clothing items that are really really useful like mm-hmm. big jackets or something and that's usually what people need you're right and i want to add to the add value to what you've just discussed i saw this really great documentary and i know this is a bizarre topic it just happened to be about chopsticks i know we're in china we're doing a bridge show mm. about culture across the uh, the pacific but also you know there's this canadian like business it's a wood shop they take chopsticks and they collect them for free from like a different kinds of kinds of restaurants korean restaurants japanese restaurants etc and they put them together and they clean them and then they use a pressing machine mm. and some kind of an epoxy and they press them into blocks of wood and then use them to make chairs tables like uh, different kinds of furniture and people buy these and actually they don't they're not that much more expensive than your typical kinds of chairs and tables but they have this really beautiful aesthetic and people know that also that they're reusing these uh you know pieces of wood that would just go i guess into the landfill but you know they are biodegradable but it is still a kind of a helpful step mm-hmm. another you know i was thinking about this why wouldn't we be able to just like shred a lot of the fast fashion and turn it into like a cotton product or something of some kind that could be used for stuffing and stuff like that so like yeah what i'm thinking is i'm looking at these maps most of the places where the waste is really strong except for mongolia for whatever reason are places where the gdp like income is really great like yeah. america canada you know new zealand uh parts of germany and italy like you know italy not as much but still these places have a lot of money per each person each person has a lot of ability to spend money and so these are the places where fast fashion is the biggest problem Mm -hmm. so it seems like as the rest of the world develops and makes all this money that's maybe why we have projections at 2030 for it being 50 percent of all carbon Mm -hmm. you know because the rest of the world's going to come into this period of time where they can buy whatever they want to yeah and so i think it's important for like us to find ways to reuse this material as opposed to just getting discarding it because people are going to probably consume it you know this is the reality is we've seen what happened with plastic bottles it's not getting better so like maybe what we need to do as like people to help fund scientists and enterprises where they are reusing this i know i've said this before in the show so i want to tell this you know not everyone listens to every show probably there is <laughs> let's this, remind them there is an airplane here in um wuhan mm-hmm. in the district of wuchang that sits in a giant square yeah it's beautiful people love it and i take pictures and post it on social media people are always like wow and so like you know it's this huge 737 or something yeah. sitting in the middle of a square and it has you know the what's that it's not the tarmac the thing that it, the boom that extends out to the side yeah. it goes into the second floor of a mall next to it mm. and so you have to go into the mall and walk out on this boom to go into the restaurant that is this airplane what I like about it isn't that it looks cool okay that's not true it looks cool and I like that but it's also they're reusing this airplane obviously they've taken all of the parts in the inside out yeah and so I've seen this in Beijing too there's like a place near a near a Taoist temple in the south of Beijing where there's just this airplane sitting there you can go and just hang out in and kids go in and play in and stuff huh. you know with clothes with like plastics that can be reused which are not very many of them unfortunately like we need to find ways to repurpose them and I don't mean like kindergartners turning their mom's <laughs> Starbucks cup into a Christmas tree as cute as that is that's not going to fix the problem yep. we need to find real solutions where we can turn them into like products or things that we all want 
again. Yeah. So obviously Ghana, Ghana's got enough clothes that it is, it is. We need to figure something else out. Ghana got enough clothes and then all of these uh, villages or whatever areas you think you're donating your clothes to, they probably got enough clothes as well. Yeah, they have enough. They don't, I, mean, I have a blue box downstairs outside that I could donate my clothes. I will donate my yeah. clothes into. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I'll feel like a little good about that, but still at the same time, there's enough people donating clothes. Exactly. It is too much at this point. We need to figure something else out. The only little good that you could feel from that is knowing that you didn't throw away those clothes. Like, you know, they're not being burnt after being deserted, Mm. but you Mm. don't really know. Like you only finished the first step. You don't know what the organization or the Institute did would do with the clothes. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like, if you know, if there's a name on the the donation box of which organization is responsible for this donation box, I guess you could call them up and just be like, Hey, just wondering, what do you do with the clothes that are not going to be worn by the, the people receiving the donation what do you do mm, with it mm. you know and if 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 enough people kind of put that question forward i guess that would that would help them think about well this is where like doyin and tiktok and like youtube like and uh yoku like a lot of okay i think a lot of people in my generation they actually dislike these enterprises these they're like <laughs> oh gosh those kids on tiktok and i'm like uh you know i, I started using a few social media a- applications Mm-hmm. in the last few years that I hadn't used before. And I'm blown away that I don't need to go to mainstream media anymore. Before I was like kind of yeah. high nose. No, I read the news. I don't need to go on like, <laughs> you know, TikTok to find out what's going on. Yeah. Then I actually started using TikTok and I'm like, wow, this is so much more informative than the news. Right. I learned so much right? more about like what's actually going on in the world. And I was shocked and I, I felt really stupid about my <laughs> previous uh, assumptions about how the young people were getting their we media. forgive you it's okay <laughs> but you know like it's it, there's so much content that's talks that shows people where does your trash go that's interesting yes what are the problems about fast fashion yeah or how who is recycling what enterprises are out there doing stuff about this and so i think that maybe just like everything gets you know the, with each new generation they find new solutions to problems i don't think anyone needs to be like thinking like what tires am I going to wear as armor in the post-apocalypse? Definitely. What we really need to do is just be trusting that the young people are, in fact, learning and capable of finding solutions. And, you know, you know, we do need to conserve individuals do need to like try to at least try to conserve and we need to press our governments and our companies to like hey let's help regulate these problems but at the same time i'm hopeful that you know the next generation is paying attention and that some creative minds that go to some of the best universities in the world or maybe that just don't even need to go to universities like so many amazing people will come up with some good solutions that'll help us alleviate some of the pressures that we're putting on our planet now for sure and if all of that is something that's too serious or too big for you there are a lot of fun challenges that nowadays you can find on the new media consumption habit jason just picked up which is tiktok and all of these short video you know though in platforms there are young kids going into their moms and grand even grandparents wardrobe and try to find something to match it Mm. and to make it something really really fashionable and fun and they their grandparents do the same. They go to their grandchildren's wardrobe to try to find out an outfit that would look cool for them. You know, I started to look at my mom's wardrobe and I'm thinking, 
Well, I still need to lose a couple of pounds for me to <laughs> get into them. But I'm think I'm seriously thinking, you know, when Did you say you're gonna I steal your mom's in- clothes? <laughs> Sorry, not stealing, but you know, she's gonna share them with me. So uh, uh, I could have quality It's like a library. You're yeah, just checking it out. <laughs> you know, I, I would have quality clothes that I don't need to buy. I'm not going mm. to produce new waste and cost for yeah, what I'm yeah. gonna wear. And so that's something like that's I feel like that's the least that you could do. Trust your parents' fashion choices because because fashion recycles itself every 20 years and uh maybe it's time for us to look at what we had before and stop buying new things well actually you know i want to add to that my grandfather passed away 20 years ago more than that i can't even remember Mm. but when he passed away my grandmother was like here's one of grandpa's shirts she gave me one of him she was like passing out his clothes that she would they were too nice to be turned into quilts and i was like okay Uh this is cool whatever yeah (laughs) i wore it and everyone around me was like oh my gosh that is the coolest shirt ever and i was like right and i was like this is from like the 1970s and they were like you look so cool and i wore it for a couple of years after that because people were just always like where did you get that shirt yeah <laughs> whatever my mom wore in the 90s in the 1990s like the, the the clothes that she had that i saw her in the pictures mm-hmm. what i was like i am gonna i'm gonna wear those they're so they're <laughs> so they're so fashionable they just look so cool like i don't know what's in season but i think i'm that's going to be my goal this year and next year which is to not spend money on expensive or or quality clothing so i'm tr- i'm gonna try to limit my wardrobe size i'm moving in se- six or seven months so i'm with you on this i'm definitely not buying anything because that's something else i have to put in a box for the move so i'm gonna join you we should check back in with each other after six months and see how we do with this bet <laughs> all right it's always a great pleasure speaking with you and i hope our fans feel the same way likewise jason thank you bye bye everybody see you next time